Welcome to Bacon Wire, an MSU sports podcast here on the Big Banter Podcast Network. Fellas, I want to open with a question to the both of you. Uh, these coordinators have now eight games to audition for their next position uh, with a football team. Um, why does it feel like all of them are hell-bent on collecting unemployment checks? Yeah, I can't. Exp- I can't. I can't explain Jay Johnson's thought process. I've never been able to. So, um, yeah, Just, Scotty, kind of same thing. I mean, if you're if Scotty's applying for a, a a new job, someone just. I mean, I think he walks into the interview. They say nothing. They just put on the Washington film and then they just stare at him. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It, to me, to me, this game is way more damning to the both of them than the Washington game because coming into the season, Maryland is an opponent where I said in our season preview with Asa that this game is going to be the most important of Mel Tucker's tenure. It is going to tell us all we need to know about about Mel Tucker's tenure at Michigan State. And wouldn't you know it, I was right. We learned all we needed to know about Mel Tucker's tenure at Michigan State from this game. What a fucking disaster. The, the stubbornness to, uh, to basically wait until the game was almost over to turn over the keys to, uh, to try something new. The porous defense, the bad offensive line play, the, the just procedural penalties and brain fart penalties. That's what the Mel Tucker era is ultimately going to be. Outside of like... Kenneth Walker is yeah. going to be Kenneth Walker. Mel Tucker is going to be defined by everything else. Yep. Just yep. what a fucking shit show this is. My thoughts on the um, the Maryland game were, first off, Maryland in their first two or three games of the season got off to these incredibly slow starts. In this game, they got off to a blazing hot start and scored three touchdowns before Michigan State even blinked. Mm -hmm. And the other thing with this game is that Michigan State had several chances to get back into the game, uh, but didn't for not because Maryland was stopping them, but because Michigan State was stopping Michigan State. And the other thing that I want to, you know, that I want to say, it's not that, oh, we were this close. We just had five turnovers. That was all. It's not like this was a one-off sort of, oh, they, they've had some, some, some miscues. No, this has been a, this has been habitual. These awful penalties, these awful turnovers, these awful personnel mistakes. That's just been a repeated thing with, with Michigan State football. It's not that it was just a, Quick little whoops, let's let's you know every team has a bad game for a season, then rebound. No, this was just a repeatedly horribly unprepared mistake laden football team. And that's what they have been. It's like what you said, this is what that's what Tucker's teams always were. They just weren't prepared and they just came out poorly. Uh always just very close and never were able to do it. It's like I think of it as consistent inconsistency, 
Like, that's a dumb way to call it, but that's just kind of what I think of the Mel Tucker era. We don't know what we were going to get. We were going to turn in some epic performance, or we were just going to get shithoused. There was no... Not it was the latter. Yep. There was... (laughs) Outside of 11 and 2, we were way more on... I started... I started to have my doubts about him with the Indiana game, if if we're being honest. I think we all did, mm-hmm. to an extent. But we were hoping this year would right the ship, even just to get us to a bowl game. And obviously, extenuating circumstances happened. Couldn't keep his dick in his pants. But, you know, it it's such a disappointment. And like I've said to you guys, and I think I said to like Ryan and all of them, I just I I'm not stressing out about it, but I am just looking more and more to our last game because the second that our season is over, it's the most important time in this program's history. I it's make, or, it's make or break. We could go back, like I said to SD and Carter, we could go back in the John L. Smith years very easily if the board completely just drops the spaghetti all over themselves. That would just I, be hiring Pat Narduzzi. Yep. Yeah, or Pat yeah. Shermer, some bullshit. Uh, my no, I, I'll I'll go one further. This is the most important hire in school history. Like I'm talking, like from presidents yeah. on down. Like this is the single most important hire in school history. We are on the precipice of transformative change at across this across this school, this conference, everything. Hmm. And like we're now at a point where you know the wrong hire means means bad football teams, which means less applications, which means declining academic standards for for entry. You know, like all these things are connected. Football, as much as academics don't like to admit it, football can can sink or raise the academic profile of a university. And, you know, for for Carter and I, who carry these pieces of paper, like our earning potential and our value is, is derived in part on the reputation of the university. And if and if the university steps into this steps into a pothole and becomes this little this little rinky-dink shithole little brother institution like it very well could be coming up with this hire, that could fuck our shit up. There's a lot riding on this. More than I think, more than I think a lot of people are realizing and play and putting stock into. Honestly, I don't think people are worried enough about this hire. As crazy as that sounds, I really don't. I, I think a lot of people are, but they just have the wrong people in mind. <laughs> We're, we're yeah. all in alignment, I think, as a fan base, how important this is. But there's that there's like three sectors. There's the shoot for the sky. You call Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, make them say no type of shit. Then you have us who are all in the middle, like Mike Elko, Chris Kleiman type of guy. He said no. Mm. But so I mean, did Mel, no, so did, so Mel Tucker. And then like five minutes later, he's like, oh, you double my money? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then... Then you have the 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 shit tier. You have Pat Narduzzi, Pat Shermer, um, Chris Creighton, Chris Creighton, 
Sharkman, Jim McElwain, those type of guys. Like, like the the Facebook group is insane. The, the the one that Ryan runs, it's like people going. One guy, I'm arguing with one guy going, "Yeah, Pat Shermer's the one." I'm like, "No, hmm, the guy with a 19 and 46 NFL record." Is totally the dude who's going to turn his program around. And he goes. He's also 120 years old. I know, he's old as fuck. <laughs> he's like, well, he's a Spartan. I'm like, oh, okay. okay, like the Nathan Fielder. Oh, okay, like yeah, that is our criteria. Good to know. I think we brought it up. I also kind of would want somebody who's never been in East Lansing before. New philosophies. I'm new I'm all things. for that. Absolutely. New blood. New blood. Someone with Midwest ties, cool, but like it doesn't have to be. Just someone who can do the fucking job and like have kind of be a normal person outside of the program. That, that matters. <laughs> that yeah. matters. Listen, I'll, I'll say this about hard. Urban. It, I, I've avoided talking about Urban just because I think it's silly and unrealistic and the guys who are doing it are doing it just to rile people up. But I'll say this about Urban. Urban cheats on his wife, but it's not like Shelly doesn't also like cheat. Right? Like there are stories of there are stories of GAs having to drag Shelly out of Ohio State's Pike House. Like, like this is the kind of shit we're talking about here. Like Urban Meyer was doing a story, was doing big noon kickoff from a boat in 2020. And you can just see a guy through his glasses with his dick hanging out. Like, this is the kind of shit we're talking about. It's consensual. She's there for the ride, man. She's there for it's, the money and the ride. It's consensual. Like, I don't care if you fuck anything with the skirt as long as you're A, single, B, your wife is okay with it. <laughs> as long as you're not jerking off on the phone to a university vendor. Let alone a woman who is a victim of a gang rape. Like, yeah. Um, it it I mean I would think the most important hire in the school's history retroactively would probably be Tom Izzo but I mean it's subjective and it's like it's generational so I I agree with you that this could this could be a huge thing because you know I think we're we're in a decade where Tom Izzo will probably say goodbye to the program. And if we have stability at our football co- coaching position and the program for football and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with basketball, that will make things a lot better for us. You know, it, it's going to it's going to suck if we hire the wrong guy and then Izzo retires. And I don't think I think MSU basketball is too strong to just fall off the cliff. I think we're just too established. We are, I'm calling it, I've said it, blue blood. We are a blue blood. We're a national brand. And you get what I'm trying to say, right? I'm just rambling. I'm going to let you, one of you guys. Just... I agree with you. No, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And and here's what I'll say about it. Like retroactively, like looking back in terms of what Tom Izzo has done for the entire university, I'm inclined to agree with you that Tom Izzo is the most important hire, uh, yeah. was was the super important hire. But, Replacing a legendary coach. Right, but but football is king. Yeah. Okay? Football <clears throat> is, is king in America, and 
as much as people kind of don't like to admit it, especially people who are who are primarily focused on on MSU basketball, like MSU football is king, right? If if basketball is if basketball is good, it's gravy. But like everyone is like, oh, basketball. If football's not good, right? Like that's the thing. And and I love MSU basketball. I love it to death. But you know, if you're asking, if I if I'm holding both and I have to save one, I'm saving MSU football. I'm sorry. Yep. Me too. Just so I just, it's just big. Like college football is just bigger than college basketball. Right. It, and you know, being good at basketball is awesome. College basketball is a lot of fucking fun, mm-hmm. especially when you're really good. Mm-hmm. But there, there's just you, you have if you're a large state university like MSU is, you have to have a good football program. You at least have to have a functional football program. And MSU football is far from functional. They just have like a sort of. I don't know, curmudgeon sort of thing to say. I just, I don't want to see people like having a meltdown, like say Michigan State loses to Duke in the Champions Classic and drops a game to like Arizona, like in the November period of the season. I'm just like, all, all, everyone is like just disregarding football and yes, football is bad, but like, well, we're just a basketball school. So I don't want to see people panicking and freaking out when they drop a couple games. Like they always do in the beginning of the season, because it's just how it goes. So I just, I don't want to see it because it's going to be annoying. No. Yeah. Your margin for error in basketball is so much greater. And you think people who would claim to be college basketball fans would understand that, but they think if you're not undefeated, that you're like the sky is falling. Like the reactions right. after the Gonzaga game last year were fucking insane. Like, do do they never learn? We're going to drop some games. We're going to drop games because we play like one, almost always we play probably the toughest schedule non-con in conference basketball and college basketball. Like mm-hmm. we lost by what one point. Yeah, like and a, I think like, we had a missed layup, a missed layup or a missed jumper to win the game, right? Yeah, the 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 Aikens play that was drawn up was yeah kind of strange, but like damn, I felt. I mean, I don't, I don't believe in moral victories, but like I felt good that, about that game too. I felt good about that, but they had Drew Timmy. We didn't. Yeah, get a job. Is he still? <laughs> is he still in school? No. Okay. Good. Yeah, Drew, yeah, Drew Timmy's gone. He's playing in Slovakia somewhere. Nihau. Yeah, Nihau. Uh no, like so again, I'll say it. Really really important we don't fuck this up. This is satire, satire, satire. I do not oh, mean no. this. Satire, satire, satire. If I had to kidnap the board of trustees to make sure the right hire gets made, I will do it. Satire, 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 and satire, satire. You just want to do what Uncle, what uh, Cousin Eddie did to uh, Clark's boss and Chris's vacation, kind of thing. Exactly. Make them see the error of their right of their <laughs> yeah. ways. We don't want to Make settle them... for a wine of the month club, Coach. We want the bonus. We want the big boy. Right. Exactly. Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> Very old reference. Very. 
I'm sure I'm sure our audience will appreciate it. I got you. So yeah, football just bums me out, man. And like, you know, there, you know, there are a lot of people calling for Keaton Hauser. And if you're just call us, all of us. <laughs> and the and the you know, there's a lot of people who think this is just like call to the backup quarterback shit. Uh <clears throat> uh, let me be clear. Uh, <laughs> uh Obama voice. Like, I am just like Carter, I know you're on the same boat with me. I am just not calling for Kane Hauser. Anyone who anyone who is a recruit under Mark D'Antonio should no longer be getting meaningful snaps for this program. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Like, there is not a single, there is not a single D'Antonio era recruit still on this staff, still on this team that that I would trust in a big moment to do to do, to make an impact play worth anything, right? Mm. Oh, 27 wears no gloves. He's so awesome. Oh, ho, ho, ho. He gets he's burnt toast. He is burnt toast. 2021 version of him was the best because yeah. he wasn't asked to go out and pass coverage. Yeah. Well, hey, it's still fact. Yeah. It's time for a youth movement. That's what this is. And, and obviously the, the coaches are not going to view this the same way we are in the sense that um, it's a lost season and uh, everything is kind of done. So you just need to audition the young guys. Cause for them, like they're probably not going to be around for the young guys becoming. But here's the thing. But it doesn't matter, you know. The thing is, playing the young guys could probably help them. It would in their goals as well. Because like, here's the thing. Because the thing is, is people are like, well, they're not just going to play the young guy. They're going to play the guy who's the best for the job. Go ahead and show me which like older guy is best is better for the job than than some of these younger more talented players like if you can if you can name one like i'll be i'll be i'll agree with you depends i don't know say mac is like the only one yeah and yeah. even then he's been really hot and cold and that's only because of the nature of his position yep would, would i be okay with him with him continuing to be the starting center but otherwise i mean seriously like you've seen all you can see out of everyone. And and look, like Finn made this point, and I thought he made it very well. Right? The the idea for the idea behind starting Kim was that he has a lower ceiling. He's not gonna, he's not gonna do explosive plays. He's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna, you know, get those, get he's not gonna put his head down and dive for the end zone. He's not going to do a lot of that stuff, but what he's going to do, he's going to protect the ball and he's going to protect the ball and he's not going to lose games, right? He's not going to be the reason you win, but he's going to, he's not going to be the reason you lost. It's the truck trailer theory for quarterbacks. It's right. that you're either a truck or a trailer. He's a hitch. He's just in the middle. Yeah, Noah Kim had three turnovers on Saturday, and it should have been four. It and it was almost and it could have been five, depending on depending on you know angles and replay review. 
But Noah Kim should have had four turnovers on Saturday. He got bailed out of an interception. The refs bailed him out on that interception to the boundary. So to that point, the thing is, is which quarterback would you rather have in there making the mistakes? The redshirt freshman making freshman mistakes or the guy who's been in the system for four years making those same mistakes? Exactly. So, and the guy who has the higher ceiling. If the floors are the same at this point, the obvious answer is Kate Hauser. But they're right. and, and and that's the thing. I think people give coaches too much credit. Yes. Right. And and I said this in our season preview. Coaches are always going to default to experience because they're idiots. <laughs> they don't know what's best. Sometimes they just don't know what's best for themselves until their backs are fully against the wall and they need to make a major decision. Harlan Barnett's back is against this wall. And, you know, like Harlan may not get a, you know, this is what Harlan wants to do. He wants to be the head coach at Michigan State. You think if he wanted to do that, he would prove his worth by starting this youth movement. And if there is improvement, he can turn to Alan Haller and go, Hey, look what I'm doing with these young guys. Give me, give me time. I will figure, I will keep this together. I will figure it out. And not that I want him to, not that's not, that's not what I want to happen. But if you're a Harlan Barnett, you have to have that thought, right? Right. You're playing, you're playing the violin on the Titanic right now, my guy, like get on a lifeboat. What have you, what have you seen from Chuck Brantley in the last three years that you didn't see from chance Rucker in that first game? I saw more from chance Rucker in that first game. He was, he was pretty good, man. He looked good. They picked Chuck, on him, but he looked good. Yeah, Chuck Brantley is is an intercept. Like Chuck Brantley has one interception in three years, and everyone is like, and everyone has this emotional attachment to him. And that was a great interception. I love that. It was sick. You have a T-shirt of it. I do too. <laughs> but it's like it. Fucking come on, man. Like Chance Rucker is clearly so much better. And it's like they said he would have been a starter if not for an injury he suffered at the beginning of uh the season. Um same uh same thing. What have you seen from Cal Holiday that you are saying that this is the guy who needs to be on the field instead of Jordan Hall? Jordan Hall is awesome, dude. Jordan Hall has the size, the athleticism, the IQ, the intangibles to be an NFL linebacker. In his freshman season, he is a leader out there. He is the best. I'm going to say it. I will say Jordan Hall is the best player on this team. And I get it. You need Cal to call plays out there. You can give those, pass those responsibilities to Winman, pass them to Darius Snow, pass them Pass them to anyone fucking else. Honestly, I think you can pass them to Jordan Hall. I have not seen him look like a freshman whatsoever. No, I'm playbook already. I hope he's. I think he's going to stay. I really do. Yeah, Spartan Dog and I were saying like his his mom will not let him transfer. His away. mom won't let him because there there's an opportunity there to be the captain next year. We love Mama Hall. Yep, we, we do. Yeah, we love. Shout out Mama Hall. Yep. Yeah, it's like, what have you seen out of Spencer Brown that you haven't seen out of Geno Vandemark? 
whatever you see, or Ethan Boyd, or shit, Ethan our boy Boyd. Kevin Wingington. Ethan Boyd's like, awesome, man. Yeah. yeah, like, what have you seen out of J.D. Duplain that you haven't seen out of any of those guys? You know, it's just like, it's so frustrating that we're in, that we're just sitting here, like, we're just like, what game are they going to win? Indiana, maybe Minnesota, maybe Nebraska. Like, yeah. we're talking like maybe, we're talking maybe five and seven again. I Four think five and seven is the ceiling. Four and eight, more than likely. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Like, we're this is the literal definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over and fucking over again and expecting different results. You know, I'm I'm thinking back on the season preview you guys had with Asa, and he might actually end up being right. I remember when I was making the graphic, like how stunned I was when he said um halloween weekend it'll be an unholy ass whooping at minnesota and i'm starting to think wow because he, he's he's talking about 2009 when we went in there halloween i absolutely got smoked excuse me and i'm still i'm starting to think maybe maybe that's our four and eight right there we get we unexpectedly go into minnesota and just get just get worked over by fucking Another one of the shit tier candidates, PJ Flack. Yeah, I'm seeing you got big note of that one. <laughs> and maybe maybe seven years ago, sure, but no, not anymore. And also to the point that I think people make when they um the point people make against starting Hauser this weekend, uh they they say it's like, do you want him to start? in a hostile environment against Iowa against a tough defense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care. Like as long as he is doesn't he, get hurt. Is he not gonna, yeah. Is he not going to face that the rest of the season? Like, yeah. I don't under, You're running I don't out of time. When's the next game but, you can play him? Uh, uh, it, it could be if people sell their tickets, the wrong people, October 21st could be a hostile environment too. It will be anyway. Yeah. I'm just saying if there's shithead Michigan State fans who sell their tickets to to Michigan fans, which I will not be one of them, uh Weren't that you could be pretty hold bad. on. Time out. Uh oh. Did you offer your ticket to Blueprint? <laughs> no, jokingly. No. He's not gonna do it. <laughs> I'm giving him a heavy markup. <laughs> don't make me don't make me leak don't make me leak the messages. I have the documents right here. I got the documents. <laughs> no, I was joking. I don't think he'll go to it. I don't um, like him putting chemicals in the water that turn Spartan Stadium blue. <laughs> <laughs> I think Trevor's going to be too busy distributing pom-poms outside the stadium um, from what Don told me the other night. But, no, uh, and while uh, – I mean, who cares? Like, is Kinnick a hostile environment? Sure. But, like, if Caton goes in there and wins, like, whoa, cool, great. Season might not might be salvageable. But, like, I just – I'd much rather take a loss with him starting than Kim. I've seen enough of Kim, and I'm not trying to be – I wanted him to succeed so badly when it was revealed that he would start the game on that, that Friday that we found out. But, like, okay, cool, he played – Played decent against Central, played great against Richmond, and then completely just shit the bed 
against probably the Heisman Trophy winner and a college football playoff contender, and uh, Maryland, who, I mean, they're not really going to do anything, but, like, damn. I mean, it was our Big Ten opener, and that starts us off on the wrong foot for the season, for the Big Ten season. Like, I don't understand what Harlan is trying to do. Is is D'Antonio telling him to say this? I don't think so. I think Harlan's just trying to do his best Antonio impression to a point, but like there was even a bowling point with Antonio with Andrew Maxwell. He's seen enough of his shit and said, All right, you're Connor Cook. Connor Cook went into Iowa, a hostile environment. We were losing at halftime. We kicked their ass in the second half. Didn't even make it close. And what happened? We won the fucking Big Ten, won the Rose Bowl, probably would have competed for a national title if we had the chance. Here's where I'm confused. Uh, they took Noah Kim out of the game in the fourth quarter uh, because they needed a spark offensively. Uh, I would say, for the most part, I think Caton gave them that. Yeah, there. Yes, the 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 throw the where bad. he threw a screen pass. He sailed a screen pass to uh, yeah. to Carter and. Uh, well, why is- are you calling a screen pass to the near side on the fucking five yard line? <laughs> That's a Jay Johnson fault, in my opinion. I'm not going to blame Caton for it. But my yeah, thing is, Jay Johnson you- one now- interception. That, that's where I'm calling. Sorry, Carter. <laughs> My thing is, like, why are you now going back to Kim? Like, also, he's been he's been taking beatings the last two weeks. Like, yeah. And if we're worried about somebody getting hurt, shouldn't it be like the six foot one seventy five guy compared to like the six three two fifteen guy? Yeah, that you're yeah. now putting that you're now like Jalen Hurtsing. Like, what? Look, like, Brian that was the whole reason. Him. Yeah, that was the whole reason you were doing the you were doing it out of the pistol anyway because you were worried about Noah Kim, and now you're just like fuck it, you're just gonna tush push him, you're gonna tush push him into into a fucking rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh. We're all kind of confused by it, and it's just whatever. So, so- I I just want to compete for a little bit in this game, like I. I'd like the first quarter to be competitive, and then I will take my chances with the rest of the game. These last two games have sucked ass, especially since I went to one. Like, it, if, oh, and God, and we're playing Kate McNamara, who had his best game ever against us. <laughs> like, this is going to go one of two ways. Kate is going to completely destroy us, and we lose another game by 25 plus and get Brian Ferentz's average back up. To stay to stay out of the firing range, or we somehow win the ugliest game, like a five to three type of bullshit game. Like we win the dumbest game ever, and go to three and two, and somehow a bowl game is within reach. But I I don't know these these Iowa's a weird place to play. Noah Noah Eagle does not deserve this. Noah Eagle has done nothing wrong. The baby oh, bird. Noah Eagle is calling it cool. Yeah, Noah Eagle does not deserve does not deserve to have this done to him. And the fucking crazy part is, MSU was on primetime three more times this season. Mi- Michigan, uh, probably Ohio State, Ohio State, and Penn State. Penn State. <laughs> so just like getting our shit pushed in. Like three times on national TV in front of Noah Eagle. I can't wait for the average score of these primetime games. 
Just like, what the fuck did Noah Eagle ever do to deserve calling this game? He's going to say he, he got explosive to with COVID and just stay in his hotel room for the game. Especially after last week. is just is so bad. Um, let, you want to picture college football, some, some national? Yeah. Uh, that film that Oregon put out, holy shit, what a burial. Shiloh Sanders being like, we're gonna we're gonna kill you guys and your coaches, and then he goes oh, to the wow. hospital because he was pissing blood. That's gotta be like the, that's like the definition of fuck around and find out, right? Like that's like up there with like Richard Spencer, Richard Spencer getting his shit rocked. I just thought of when when they when I saw the clip of Shiloh saying that to the guys like playing the Kerber enthusiasm music and just like <laughs> highlights. Then he he got trucked in the game too. Like one yeah, of the got, posted something where he just got absolutely truck sticked. I'm like, you should post a curb your enthusiasm video of that. Just we're gonna we're gonna beat your asses. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, if I was better at video editing, I would I would try it. Yeah, and and we saw he's did you see Keon Coleman had another awesome game too? Yeah, game winning touchdown. He's yeah. very good. Look three level receiver. He's gonna go like top ten in the draft at this point. Like yep. If Kyle McCord keep getting Marvin Harrison the ball, like there might be a wide receiver one in the NFL debate. It doesn't. It doesn't feel yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Good for uh, him. Jay Johnson. Jay Johnson had Keon Coleman and uh, Jaden Reed, who was like a legitimate offensive rookie of the year candidate, and he coordinated an offense that was um, 88th in yards per game. Imagine, um, imagine Kaiten Hauser throwing to Jeremy Bernard and Keon Coleman. Huh. Jay, like I photo, uh, I, I made this Photoshop. Jay Johnson is a terrorist. He is a terrorist. He terrorizes me. That is, that is my, that's that's my thing. He terrorizes me. Um, also a big week for uh, coaches beefing with senile former coaches. Yeah. Ryan Day going after Lou Holtz and then Jake Dickert going after. See, here's the thing. Dickert's Dickert's beef was legit because it wasn't exactly Corso. It was more just like ESPN as a whole. And this whole year ESPN has been doing this thing where it was like, uh, where they're like, oh, you know, the Pac-12 is going away. That's so sad. Like who, you know, like how, how could this be happening to college football? And then they like make fun of it going away. And then they make fun of Oregon State and Washington State, like the Pac Two. It's just like have a little fucking decorum, why don't you? Yeah. ESPN is not great anymore. No. Um so yeah, that's all I got for college football. NFL, uh big bacon wire bowl winner over here. Bacon wire bowl three winner. Spartan Dog 97 and the Detroit Lions. Carter, thoughts? Um, I watched Noah Kim on Saturday, and then I watched well, – I didn't watch the game, but Desmond Ritter quarterbacked my team on Sunday. And that's uh, that's my life. That's how I live. So, if you have and, a good quarterback, if you have a good quarterback, you have, like, your franchise guy, just appreciate him. That's what I'll say. So at, at what point do you – does Arthur Smith have to go to Taylor Heineke? Like, at what point are you just like, do you see Heineke on the sidelines and you're like, 
you played in a playoff game. You know, like how how alluring is that right now to you? I don't know. <laughs> the choices are just there's slim pickings right now. Um, I guess Heineke could come in at the Jaguars defense has been okay, not great this year, and that's who they're playing in London this week. Um, and if he looks bad again against a defensive line that I don't think gets a ton of pressure and there's like one good defensive back on the Jaguars. I think after that you have to evaluate all options. But the thing about Arthur Smith is he's very, very arrogant. Um, and he wants to win with this guy that no one in the fan base likes. Or, I don't know, the fan base is pretty split on him. There's obviously, you know, the I think every team has the fans who think that the team can do no wrong. And then there are people who are overly critical. I'm just sort of in the middle of it. Um but he wants to win with the he wants to win with the guy that the fans like don't like, and he's just gonna. I mean, I think a lot of coaches are pretty arrogant, but um, you just have to. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not a Ritter fan, and you gotta. Uh, I I truthfully I don't know. I'm just hoping that they can find a different quarterback at some point. But I just feel like they're gonna stick with Ritter for as long as they possibly can, which I don't think. It, I think you have a good team around. In Atlanta, I think you saw that the team overall is not bad, but no. there's something that's there that's uh, pre- preventing them from reaching their ceiling. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, for the Lions, I mean, uh, the defense finally showed up. You know, they they kind of they took a couple weeks to kind of to kind of get going. Hutch was much more of a factor in this game. Um, you know, the the Falcons' O line is far from terrible, and they were able to sack Ritter six times. I thought they got a lot of good pressure. On him, uh, Brian, Brian, Brian Branch is a fucking dog. Yes. Uh, what a find! What a find by Brad Holmes. Classic Brad Holmes, uh, W there. Uh, you know, going into Lambeau this week. Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, tonight, tonight, pot will be out. Pot will be out, out, out on Thursday. So, yep. going to Lambeau tonight. Um, you know, I'm confident. You know, we ex, we excised that demon last year. Nothing to play for, Packers. Playing for a playoff spot, went in there and and showed and gave him the business. Um, Packers are pretty banged up. Uh, Bakhtiari is out. A couple other linemen are questionable. Um, you know that's that's going to give us that's going to give us a lot of free hitters on Jordan Love, and I think, um, I think I think we're we're in pretty good shape here to to go three and one and and finally knock the Packers off the top of the division solely because of point differential. <laughs> um congratulations you got to play the fucking chicago bears um <laughs> uh yeah not great so uh let's kick it now over to our talk with connor barry from inside the nest uh big banter's iowa podcast talk to him about brian ference matchup coming up this weekend what we expect from Michigan State, what he expects from Iowa. Fun conversation. Connor's a great guy. Uh, until next week, go green. Go away. And welcome to uh, another crossover episode here on Big Banter Sports Network. Uh, we have with us today Connor Barry from Inside the Nest covering Iowa football. Uh Connor, you know, we were on the season preview pod together on the Big Ten Huddle, 
And I made mention of the fact that this arrangement with Brian Ferentz uh, smelled a lot to me like an ultimatum. You know, I think I made the analogy, no, every good marriage starts with an ultimatum. So, you know, a month into the season, <laughs> where where are we at? Man, you have no idea. It's been a, a pure roller coaster of emotions. Um, game one, uh, first drive of the season, I was like, man, this guy actually changed his ways. We're going to be amazing. You know, I love it. Cade's out here throwing deep bombs. And I'm not lying to you. I think I've said this a couple of times now, even on our podcast. It, it Ever since that drive, it's just been straight downhill. Um, I mean, you guys, if you had the, the misfortune of watching any of that Iowa-Penn State game, um, yeah, there's right now the relationship between Brian and the fans is not one I uh, I want going on. We uh, There's quite a, a divide going on. So, so I, I guess my question is, um, we'll get to the game. I, I like to talk big picture, you know, because sure. I don't really, I, I, I'm not really in the minutia of a lot of big 10 teams. Um, is Brian's reputation or Brian's mismanagement of the offense is for the fans. Is that starting to rub off on Kirk at all? Um, I think it is the, you know, there's a lot of speculation and fans trying to like call out, you know, call for his job saying, is this the year that he retires? You know, it's looking a lot like he can't keep up anymore. So I think that, you know, due to how bad Brian's been, it's, it's making Kirk realize he's not really with the game anymore. The way that, you know, a lot of these coaches are nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about this rock fight, shall we? Uh, you know, we're we're coming off um a couple very disappointing performances. Um, like you made mention to earlier, you know, you got, you know, uh a, the whiteout usually has very few, very few survivors uh on the other side. You know, Kinnick at night. Um, you know, I guess what are your expectations for this game from the Iowa side? Uh, from the Iowa side, um, from a fan standpoint, I'm really hoping that, you know, we can actually show up still and still be, you know, as loud as we are normally at Kinnick at night. I'm sure you've heard that reputation. Yeah. Uh, or, or if you've not ever been there, it's something that's, uh, you know, a great time. But as for what I'm expecting from the uh, from the team, um, I don't think our defense played all that bad. I apologize if my dog's barking and being annoying, but um, – yeah, as for our team, I don't think our defense played bad. I think that, you know, they were just on the field for the entirety of the game. From our offense, what I'm expecting to see is, you know, some explosion, some some plays downfield, not plays between the tackles, you know, these pitches outside. I want to see something that's uh, different, you know. I don't want to see the same old, same old. And I'm sure that sounds a little bit cliche, but got to mix it up, man, you know. Yeah, uh, we're all in the same boat over here. We want – we want anything different. We're desperate for it. Uh, you know, Kate McNamara is is a person we're intimately familiar with here. Um, <laughs> uh, on your side, has he lived up to your expectations? Has he been slightly disappointed? Uh, you know, what is your what is your temp what's your temperature on Cade McNamara? You know, right now. Right now, I think he's getting a lot more hate than he deserves. Um, I think our offensive line has been atrocious, and he has not had any time to throw the ball whatsoever. Um, if you want to be a box score, you know, manager, he hasn't looked great at all. He's got no yards, very few touchdowns. 
a couple interceptions, but I don't want to blame it all on him. I, I think that there's a lot on play calling, like we've mentioned with Brian, and our offensive line is just not as good as it normally is. And uh, yeah, it's it's troublesome. Our we can't get our, we don't have time to get our receivers open. You know, we paid all this money to bring these guys in in the off season, and we don't even have time to get them open. So. Not that I don't think Cade's bad. I think he's been very average, but I think he's been uh, on the unfortunate side of bad offensive play. So, and and for Iowa's defense, uh, you know, usually, um, you know, Iowa having a a non prolific offense is is nothing new, but the defense has kind of been able to buoy them uh, and kind of get them to where they need to go. Um, they've had a couple of shaky performances here early this season. Do you expect that to kind of level out or is this kind of a big red flag, um, for the team going forward? Um, it definitely is a big red flag, but, uh, at the same time, I do expect it to slightly level out. Um, we have a lot of veterans on this team and a lot of guys that have been, um, you know, been on the bad side of a blowout, uh, and had to come back and try and turn the season around. So, from this defense, yeah, I mean, I think I expect these, uh, you know, veterans to step up, be leaders. Um, we haven't had many turnovers or sacks this year, so as long as we can start to get that going. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do that against Penn State. They've got a, a pretty solid offensive line. But I'd like to see that start to get going this week. You know, I don't know if we can get two or three turnovers, a couple sacks. That's the kind of thing that we need to actually uh, really get our offensive that kind of, you know, uh, confidence, I should say. Yeah, definitely. It, so I guess I'll turn it over to you. You know, what about MSU? Do you, what about MSU's team? Do you want to know from us? There's not well, much, but we can try to provide. <laughs> it's a pretty short segment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, the few things I've got going right now, and I know that this, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. And uh, I'm sure that this is kind of something that you guys are a little over talking about. I saw the official news today for like the fourth time. It feels like with Mel, um, <laughs> What are your guys' feelings and uh, thoughts? If you guys had uh, – if, if there's one guy you could go and get right now, who's someone realistic you think you could get? Um, I'm I'm all in on Mike Elko right now. Um, I think in terms of what he's been able to do at Duke is, is like, super impressive. Um, you know, a lot of detractors will say it's he's basically devouring the, the Big Ten West of the ACC. But, you know, we're talking about a – he had nine wins in his first season, and they had ten wins the past three years, the three years before he came on. So, you know, I, you know, that's all fair criticism. But you know, you look at a guy who was able to turn around a program quickly. I think, I think he's a very attractive option. So, uh, you know, right now all my chips, all my eggs are in the Elko basket. I may diversify as kind of the season goes along. This will be coming up this weekend against Notre Dame is going to be, I think his his true audition for yeah for the MSU job. That game's going to be electric, man. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Yeah, same same time window. It is going to be it is going to be like the weirdest juxtaposition ever. MSU Iowa Notre Dame Duke. It's not even look right? like the same sport. <laughs> How about you guys? Are you kind of in the same boat? You thinking uh, Elko? You on the Elko train over here? Yeah, Elko is kind of my guy. I feel like if you're able to win and build and recruit at Duke, I mean they've got some blue chip guys visiting there this this weekend. So 
I mean, just imagine what he could do with with Big Ten resources. And we've we've been kind of saying over here, uh, Michigan State's a, a good job with good money, good resources, and you get those sort Absolutely. of things. You give a guy, you give a guy like Mike Elko what he's able to do at Duke that's just never been known for for mm-hmm. football. It's always just football's always been an afterthought there. Like he's able to do it there. I bet he could do it at East Lansing with um, better weapons and resources at his disposal. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking and I know that you guys kind of had to deal with some problems uh, within the offseason with uh, guys transferring out, um, you know, QB, a, a star receiver. I guess my question for you guys is how do you um, plan on attacking this Iowa defense? I look and, I looked and saw and your leading receiver has about as many yards as our tight end who hasn't played or, for a week, you know, so little bit of a question mark there. I'm not trying to attack you guys, but uh, how, how do you guys plan on attacking Iowa's defense? <laughs> um, Connor, I'm at the point where I am legitimately going to propose you a trade. Like, <laughs> I will trade offensive. I, I'm about to, like, offer uh, Jay Johnson for Brian Ferentz. The offense has been, has been awful. Be um, careful what you wish for, man. <laughs> just... <laughs> Incorrect, per- the wrong personnel are playing. Um, you know, just asinine play calls. Like Jay ran a short side halfback slip screen on the five yard line last week against Maryland in a drive where you had where they had to score and they benched the starting quarterback for the backup. I mean, like if you're talking about like there are fewer plays that are worse to call in that situation than the play Jay called. It was incredible. <laughs> it was an incredible show of incompetence for a guy who is basically like auditioning publicly for his next job. Like, it's not like he's going to be here beyond this year anyway, but to like know that you need to go out and seek other employment and you're calling stuff like that is shocking. I mean, it's, it sounds like you guys are dealing with a bit too similar of a situation there. Um, I mean, I know that all too well. I've I've had to watch Brian Ferentz call fullback dives on, you know, third and nine, where we actually had a, we are in a must score situation too, and we ended up losing, you know, four or five yards, which is very obvious. So, yeah, it gets pretty old. How how, how about your defense though? I did, I, did you happen to lose too many guys this offseason, or was that a? I know I saw you guys lose a commitment today, but yeah, hmm. I, commitments aren't uh, commitments aren't going to be shocking. Um, you know, those offers are still on the table, provided they get the provided they make the right hire in before signing day, you might be able to salvage, you might be able to salvage this upcoming class. Um, you know, the defense um kind of is what it is at this point. I'm honestly a little more optimistic about about them than I am the offense. But again, the defense has the same issue where there are younger guys who are more deserving of the opportunity to play right now that just aren't getting the snaps they should. And, you know, that's kind of the story of, of MSU right now is that there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of diversity of snaps going towards the younger, more talented guys that, that Tucker brought in, you know, if we're going to give Mel Tucker any credit, it's that. And he just, the staff is just straight out refusing to refusing to acknowledge that, there's better talent on this roster than than what they're sticking with. 
I know that all too well too. There's a lot of seniority that goes on at Iowa and I don't know if that's exactly what's going on with you guys, but uh, so how about Antonio Gates? Is he one of those guys? Sorry, Antonio Gates Jr. Is, has he gotten much playing time or is he, I, I didn't even know if he's there yet or not. That might've been a dumb question, but he's no, he, uh, he's there. He actually scored his first touchdown against Richmond this season as right first on. career touchdown. Um, you know, one of the, it's odd when you when you lose someone like Keon Coleman, you don't expect someone to say this, but like our wide receiver room is probably one of the deepest on the team, uh, just in terms of overall talent. Um, Courtney Hawkins, a wide receivers coach, is really the only coach I want to see retained from this current staff. Uh, and you know, Antonio Gates Jr. is one of those guys who's probably still a year away from being a major contributor. But I think he's probably ready for a little more responsibility, especially kind of um, opposite Trey Mosley on the outside. I think he could be a good complement to the offense. He's just not getting the opportunities right now. Man, there's always uh, there's always time though. I'm sure we'll see some of them against Iowa. That seems that's how it always goes against us. You know, these young guys go out there and have their breakout game for three or four touchdowns, and you're just like, all right, of course, we got no film on them, you know, so. <laughs> I've had yeah. to watch that far too many times. Well, I'm sure that'll happen for you guys against us. <laughs> so how are you guys feeling about the rest of the Big Ten? I know that that's not what we really want to delve too much into, but uh, I know that we had – I saw you guys had Iowa further down in the uh, in the rankings, and that's very justified where we had looked just god-awful and our offense is non-existent. So when you have half a team, it's hard to, it's hard to rank them high. So how yeah, about everyone I mean, else, though? Yeah, Are you no, sold I, on Maryland. Uh, you know, we'll see. Um, who who does Maryland play? Are they off this week or do they? Who's Maryland got this week? I'll I'll check. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think Talia looked very very good. Um, our last week, you know, it's it's kind of easy to look good when you're just not getting when there's just like no one in your face. Um, you know, they're you know they don't really have a big test. They don't have a test here. Uh, you know, they have they have Indiana this week. Uh the test is next week when uh when they when they travel to Columbus. But no, I thought Talia looked very much improved. You know, he looked a lot more patient. Um, he was a lot more decisive. Uh, you know, power rankings for me tend to be a little more reactionary, right? It's like a what what have you done for me lately? I'm not really looking at the big picture for power rankings like I am for like no. When totally I'm ranking, yeah, when I'm ranking the top 25, for example, I kind of tend to be more like, what happened to you last week, you know? Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I like Maryland, but my, my Penn State stock is, is doing numbies, doing straight numbies right now. Well, we made them look a lot better, so I'll tell you that. But... <laughs> uh, so, so, Connor, uh, final, final question for you. Uh, before before we let you go here and, and let you get out of here, uh, what what for you is a successful? Does a successful rest of the season look like? Is it that the offense finally gets it together and you guys are kind of able to win the West in the last year of the Big Ten West, or is it just, or are you kind of secretly hoping the wheels fall off so you can so you can get rid of Brian? 
Well, you know, that's a really good question because <laughs> I didn't really think about it that much until now. Um, part of me does hope the wheels fall off a little bit, and that's so horrible to say. But We can I arrange that this see... Saturday night. We can arrange that. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'd love to see you guys just absolutely close it down. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I do want to see us turn it around. I know that we did look awful this last week, but if we can somehow have a bounce back this week, we do have one of the easiest schedules in the entire Big Ten, if not the country. So a successful season to me looks like, honestly, this is going to sound really greedy, but I, I 11 and one. I'm sure we'll have another one or two losses out there, but I'd love, we have to win the West in our, this last year because after this, I mean, obviously with the conferences changing up, it's just not going to be likely we'll see this again. So it kind of feels like this is our last go around at it. And, you know, one bad game can't, you know, determine the whole season. But, yeah, that's what a successful season looks like to me. I think 11-1, and one, it sounds really lame and uh, a little greedy, but I think it's it's possible. So, Absolutely. Well, well Connor, thanks for doing this. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll be talking to you again, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. And uh, good luck this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a, a blackout, I think, in Kinnick. I'll be there, fortunately. So, uh, Cool. Yeah, I'll look oh, there, oh, there's going to be there's going to be blackouts over here too, but it's not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there'll be a double blackout on my end too, just because of the offense. I'm going to have to watch. But thanks again, man, for having me on. It was uh, it was nice to see you guys, and uh, good luck again. Yeah, you you too. Cheers, thanks, man. See you, man.